The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Robots Radio presents... Hey, robots. What you doing? Oh, hey, buddy bot. I'm just getting ready to record the next episode of the show. Um, hey, did you know in Fallout 1, uh, when you meet the Brotherhood, you can actually uh, join them? Just like in the other games, that that was something that happened in Fallout 1? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. You can you can join the Brotherhood. Would, would you join the Brotherhood, buddy bot? Would you become a a soldier, a paladin? A member of the Brotherhood of Steel? Um, I don't know. Well, what would that be like? Well, you'd have to, you know, fall in line and do what they ask you to do. And you know, there's, you know, a bunch of requirements. Um, here, let's, let's just, let's just do a little, let's just do a little role play. Let's just imagine you walk up to the front of the bunker and they say, hey, if you want to join the Brotherhood, you have to go do this quest, and then you do the quest, and then you finally get in, and you get to talk to John Maxon. John Maxon is the grandson of Roger Maxon. Oh, duh. Of course, they have the same last name. Yeah, okay, so they're related. You finally get a chance to talk to him. What do you say to him? Um, hello? Uh, hello, youngster. Cabot said you wanted to talk. Look, I'm uh, I'm pretty stacked up right now, so I'll uh, I'll help you out as long as you don't start flapping your gums too much. You know, outsiders are like that, always jawing. <laughs> Gotta like me, huh? I don't know if that's what all outsiders sound like. Uh, how many outsiders do you get to talk to? It sounds like you don't get out much. I grew up too isolated here. Can you imagine spending your whole life inside one small place? Than having to go out into the world? Yeah, tell me about it. I couldn't go out anywhere, and then finally I snuck out one time, and I stole a bunch of people's brains. I, I took them right out of their heads. I was going to put them in a bunch of robots and see what happens. But then, then, then my friend Robots got mad at me. That's it! I warned the elders that bringing in an outsider could be trouble. Guards! There's an initiate here who needs some quiet time to discover some manners. <laughs> So it sounds like uh, BuddyBot's uh, attempt of role-playing didn't go so well. Um, so welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. I am your host, Tom, or Robots, as usual, and I'm back with another lore episode. So welcome back, everybody. This week, we're talking about the Brotherhood of Steel again. We've got some really cool stuff coming out for 
uh, Fallout 76 with some Brotherhood stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of hints about those kinds of things coming, like um, like we discussed in my uh, episode with uh, Juicehead. So I thought I would delve a little bit back into the history again of the Brotherhood, this time specifically the events and the things that happen in Fallout 1 and the location where you can come across the Brotherhood. So there's there's some information to dig into here. Let's uh, let's do some reminding of some things. Um, the Brotherhood was founded by Roger Maxon, and I get all the first names of the Maxon line a little bit mixed up sometimes. They're all very masculine names. We've got Roger, we've got Arthur, and then now we've got John. John Maxon is the great grandson is the hold on is the grandson not the great grandson the grandson i don't know where i got great from um so two generations after uh roger maxon we have john maxon who is the high elder of the brotherhood of steel in the year 2161 the events of fallout one and he's at this point very old he's an old guy he's a little bit out there but he's a good leader it says here in the wiki, and, I, and I'm going to draw a lot from the wiki in this episode because it consolidates this information really, really concisely. And um, I find that very helpful when putting these episodes together. Um, so it says here, tough, old and confident. John Maxon was born into the Brotherhood around 2097. So this is about 20 years after the, the bombs dropped and is as good as the Maxon line of Brotherhood generals come. He showed tremendous promise as an initiate and a knight, traveling the wastes far and wide and forming lasting relations with various people in the wasteland, including Butch Harris. Butch Harris was the head of the Fargo traders. So basically, John continued the development of the Brotherhood and aided in their survival and finding a place in the wasteland by making things work well with the other groups and the other factions and especially the traders. The, the Brotherhood needed to trade and work with others in order to survive. So he helped ensure that. By the time he was inducted into the Paladin cast in 2135 at 38 years old, he was a formidable warrior and a force to be reckoned with. His reputation and talents were further confirmed when he rose to the rank of head paladin, the absolute best warrior and tactical commander within the Brotherhood of Steel. So he knew what he was doing, especially when it came to combat. Now, with every story, there is an event which, of course, moves one generation into leadership and reduces the previous generation or unfortunately they pass away or whatever this came about during a skirmish with the vipers in 2155 john's father who we know only as maxon the second so this i'm assuming would be roger maxon the second um passed away he was killed during a skirmish with the vipers four years later in 2159 the council convinced John to apply to the position and accept the position of High Elder, becoming the third Maxon to hold the rank. However, he was not quite aware of the sheer volume of politics associated with the office. That makes sense, right? He's a person who works outside. He deals with building connections to other groups in the wasteland, and he's a tremendous leader when it comes to 
tactics and combat. But he wasn't really ready for the politics. By the time the Vault Dweller meets him in 2162, he is 65 years old. His body has aged, but his mind remains as sharp as ever, yearning to fight the enemies of the Brotherhood rather than remain underground. Now, like I noted before, he's a little bit out there. And so because of this, he is not particularly popular among the elders at this point in time when you come across him. And this is mostly because of uh, him being right. You see, he claims that there is an army amassing in the north. He has information about the super mutants, the master's army and the scouts that have come back and relayed information. He is taking it seriously. Many of the elders are dismissing this as silliness. This is something that's not going to happen. But John Maxson thinks that this is a major thing that needs to be dealt with. That's why he's not as popular with the elders. Now, when you come across the Brotherhood in Fallout 1, you come up to a location called the Lost Hills. And the Lost Hills is their base. It's the code name for their security bunker. And it's in the southeastern end of the Central Valley in New California. It is south and west of the location of Vault 13 where you start. It's about actually four squares west and eight eight squares south. So in the world of Fallout 1, you move on the major uh, outworld map in these large square you know, chunks and you come across Lost Hills. And when you come across Lost Hills, you are greeted by three soldiers in power armor who basically look at you and say, all right, if you want to join the Brotherhood, then you need to go on this quest. And you can, like I mentioned to Buddy Bot at the beginning, you can go on a quest line in order to join the Brotherhood. And this is something that we find happens in the other games as well. Fallout 3, Fallout 4. Of course, there is a way to join the Brotherhood, even though the Brotherhood typically are very skeptical of bringing outsiders into their ranks. It's always something that you can do. And what's cool about this location is not only do you come across three soldiers standing at the front, they are in full power armor with heavy weapons. This is a major location When you are playing Fallout 1 and you come across these other locations, you come across people in these small communities, you come across soldiers, sometimes uh, raiders, super mutants, monsters, things like that. But this is the first time that you come across a very formidable looking building with three iron soldiers at the front. This is the kind of place that you know you can't break into. These guys look incredibly tough and at the front of the building is the symbol of the brotherhood this is the first time we see that symbol the gears the wings the sword and what's cool about it is it's blue with a white background in the circle painted on the door to lost hills this same exact symbol goes unchanged in all of the fallout games From Fallout 1 all the way to 76. It is exactly the same. And I love when iconography uh, designs, things like that, work so well from a game that came out so long ago that it's able to be used 
unchanged through the others. If you look at the pictures of these and, and go look these up, they are fundamentally unchanged. There's a, an image that you see when you enter Lost Hills of the inside of the bunker. And similarly, on one of the walls is one of these gigantic symbols. And these these paintings are huge. They span the entire height of a wall. And it looks unchanged. This is the kind of thing that could be in Fallout 76. You can enter a location. And aside from the resolution of the graphics being a little bit low, you could imagine that being up on a wall in a location and looking exactly the same. It's 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 just really cool. It's really cool to me when designs and ideas stand up so well that they don't really need to be changed. And speaking of designs and things that don't need to be changed or could, maybe shouldn't be changed. What else is interesting here is that you can find a map of the location and it details the entrance level and then the three different sub levels. Um, <laughs> the map itself is written like an ancient scroll with Brotherhood of Steel at the top and a giant bee. And think about the old scrolls, the old manuscripts that monks would have written with the extremely fancy writing and the little pictures around the sides. In fact, there's even images on there of what looks like, I think at the bottom right is like a winged angel. And at the bottom left is a soldier an old timey looking soldier, but with a giant gun. This is a really cool looking manuscript and we don't have items like this in the more recent fallout games. Uh, they, they kind of moved away from this idea of um, the old timey knights quality of the brotherhood and have kept it a little bit more modern, a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, um, vintage modern this whole 1950s 1960s feel but this is really cool it's really cool to come across some of this really old looking knightly monkish type literature in the game so the bunker itself like i noted in the map section uh has three different levels the first level is the main supply room this is where they stock all their pre-war technology, they keep their paladin armor, they keep everything ready to go for when they need to leave the bunker and head out. It's all kept on level one. Level two is the housing quarters of the initiates, their classrooms, and the faculty's medical lab. The youngest members of the organization spend their time in level two studying to become either knights or scribes. And in this design, up to 12 initiates share a room together. It's kind of like a group bunk kind of situation. Level three is the heart. You could say that this is the heart of the Brotherhood building. This is where the important facilities are, the workshops, where they maintain the technology and they work on things and they preserve the items that they collect for future generations, all of that kind of stuff. All of that is done on level three. Level four is the command center, the mainframe, and the elders' quarters. So if level three is the heart, level four is the brain. It's the place where all of the decisions get made, where all of the politics get done. It is the deepest level where they keep the most important people of the Brotherhood and the most important technologies. Things like the mainframe and the processing and storage of information gets put down here on level four. So that's 
the layout of the location and a little bit about the leadership of the Brotherhood in Fallout 1. But let's talk about the events that transpired between 2077 and the things that happened at Mariposa and the location here and how things kind of go at the end of the game. And we're going to get to that after this break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Hey friends, lots to go over this week, so I'll try to keep it brief. So as always, it's the beginning of the month and it's time to shout out our new patrons. So let's just go through the list. Welcome to our tier three patron, Maddie. Welcome to our tier one patron, Brandon D. And another one tier, tier one <laughs> patron, Peter H. And welcome to our new tier three patron, Jackie G and a tier two patron, Ricka. And a few of you guys have changed your status. You've either upgraded to a tier two in order to get the full unedited versions of our patron chats, or you jumped up to tier four to join us in the chats at the end of the month. So welcome to all of our new patrons and thank you for supporting the show. That really, really does help. If you are interested in getting an ad free version of the show, then it's the easiest way to do it. You can sign up for even just one dollar a month. That's like 20 to 25 cents an episode. Super cheap. Gets you an ad free episode of the show or episodes of the show. And you can go do that at patreon.com slash fallout lorecast. Also, we have to read out our new reviews and ratings for the last month. So there's a number of these. Um, <laughs> I'll try to get through these really quick. So thank you to everyone who leaves ratings and reviews on whatever podcatcher you use. It really, really does help. There's a few here that we have, some new ones for the last month. We have Brig Watney. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, from the United States, who writes, Lorecast and Robots Network are gold. I love this show. So rich in the history and lore of the amazing Fallout universe. We love the Robots Radio Network. So many great shows on its roster. Thank you, Bree. Is it Bree G. Watney, maybe? Uh, thank you for that. Next, we have Bioshock Candy XXX from the U.S. who writes, my favorite Fallout podcast. Wow, that's high praise. Thank you so much. I started on Apple, but slowly moved to Spotify to listen. I finally caught up after a few months. It, this is such an informative podcast, and I admire the host robots, Tom with zeros. Uh, thank you. We love a podcaster who isn't afraid to speak up about what is happening in the world and uses platform and relating a lot of it to what happens in the fallout games i live for the end of the month patron episodes with everyone as well i just really appreciate this podcast listening just makes me want to play fallout right then and there thank you also tom i wanted to say i love that episode with you and your daughter almost sure we're near the same age what is so cool to me i'm also a girl uh, you and my daughter are the same age 
Um, so wish my parents introduced me to Fallout like you and your wife introduced your daughter. Oh, that's super nice. And yeah, I would love to get her back on for another episode. So um, maybe I can work that out. She was a little hesitant the first time. She's a little bit shy about this stuff, but we'll see. I'll see if I can coax her on. Also, we have game DD game ad dot player. I think that's how you pronounce it from the US who writes great show for those who love Fallout lore. Keep it up, robots with zeros. Well, thank you. Then we have uh, Chigugig. I think is how you pronounce it from the United States. He writes cinder bones, greatest fallout podcast I have found. Well, thank you. And then we have uh, one final review from our Canadian friend whose name can only be pronounced by a bunch of emojis. Uh, glasses, emoji, smiley, smiley, glasses, 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 smiley, 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 glasses, 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 I think is your name. And you write amazing. Tom slash robots with zeros is the best at fallout lore and gives insight into the minds of characters and participated uh, with the audience. I think there's a typo there, but uh, we'll just keep going. There aren't enough stars in the universe to be able to rate this product. You can really pick and choose the topics and not feel left out. If I'm being honest, this is the second best podcast ever. Oh, not the best. Only topped by your Elder Scrolls podcast. Well, all right. Please keep up the good work. I started with Fallout in 76 and love the lore. Keep it up. Well, thank you so much. A uh, bunch of smiley emojis. I appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who takes the time to leave a rating and review. It really does help. All right, let's get back to the episode. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So let's talk about the events that happen after the bombs drop. And again, I'm going to go to the fandom.com wiki article about this because it consolidates it very well for the purpose of this topic, specifically having to do with this location in Fallout 1. Now it says here, in November of 2077, a few weeks after the Mariposa Rebellion, and also a few weeks after the bombs dropped, and the exodus from the military base, the refugees from the base arrived at Lost Hills Security Bunker. Now, this is a security bunker originally, which is also interesting. It goes on and says, the people suffered casualties along the way, as while the soldiers enjoyed the protection afforded by their T-51 power armor, their families had not. Marauders that attacked the caravan on its journey quickly learned to target the unprotected civilians. Although for every lost civilian, two raiders fell, many lives were lost, including Roger Maxson's wife, and we've talked about this before, but not his teenage son. Several soldiers broke off during the exodus as well. A faction led by Sergeant Dennis Allen gained strength, demanding the leadership to allow them to explore the ruins of the West Tech research facility for advanced technologies left behind. Ignoring warnings from Captain Maxson and defying the group's will, Allen's faction separated from the main caravan and ventured southeast to the glow taking their power armor with them, which, of course, who could blame them, right? They were never heard from again. Around 2151, the Brotherhood sent out knights to seek out Alan's group or its remains. This is a significant amount of time later. This is 80 years or 70-something years later. All they found were desolate ruins. So no trace of Sergeant Dennis Allen and his faction of the Brotherhood. Now let's pause here because I'm going to go more into this uh, as we continue. But remember we were talking about what could have happened that would lead the Brotherhood to Appalachia. 
and we talked about this. I was talking with um, Juicehead about this, and I was speculating, what if a group, a faction, maybe even a splinter faction, headed across the country because of some reason? Now, if I was working at Bethesda, and I was putting together a reason for why the Brotherhood would be returning to Appalachia, then here's a really good reason. What if Sergeant Dennis Allen was able to make it to the West Tech Research Facility, was able to catch some of the conversations between Maxon and Taggarty, learned of a West Tech Research Facility location in Appalachia, and a splinter group of the Brotherhood over there, and all of the different technology and things that were available. And what if, and again, this is completely speculation on my part, Sergeant Dennis Allen, because they found the West Tech Research Facility, also came across technologies like vertebrates, transportation that would allow them to travel across the country relatively safely. Are we going to see? Sergeant Dennis Allen show up in the new content for Fallout 76. Now, I don't know. I don't know anything from the inside. All I know is that this is a gaping hole in the lore that would allow for all sorts of things to happen and a lot of what ifs. And if it's not Sergeant Dennis Allen himself, maybe it's somebody who was working with him because we have a lost group of brotherhood out here in the world and no idea what happened to them. Very cool stuff. All right, let's get back to the rest of this. Um, the, the wiki goes on and says the Exodus survivors claimed the bunker as their own lost Hills became the headquarters of the newly formed brotherhood of steel. The refugees expanded it and adapted it to fit their own needs, becoming a bastion of technology in a world that has lost centuries of technological development overnight. Lost Hills became the primary supplier of weapons and ammunition to the region until the emergence of the Gunrunners and other rival manufacturing houses. They traded ordnance for food, water, and necessary supplies. Like I noted before, they needed to trade to survive, not bothering with manufacturing them from within the bunker. Following the destruction of the Unity, this was the Master's Army, this is the events of Fallout 1, Around 2162, the Brotherhood aided other human settlements to drive the mutants away with minimal loss of life on both sides of the conflict. Now, this is relating to the good ending where the Brotherhood goes on to become helpful and a positive force in the wasteland. The Brotherhood remained out of the power structure for a time, becoming a major research and development house and introducing advanced technology into New California at a slow pace. The wise guidance of Rhombus, who is the uh, predecessor to, is that the right word? The person who follows uh, John Maxon as the leader, brought the Brotherhood to arguably the zenith of its power. The Brotherhood had good relations with the developing New California Republic to the point that one of the states of the Federation was named after the founder of the Brotherhood, Maxon. However, Lost Hills was never incorporated into the NCR, although Brotherhood patrols did provide protection for the state. And this sets up much of the way the world is come Fallout New Vegas. The Brotherhood 
works with the NCR when it's useful to them. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes there's politics involved, but otherwise their main location is still separate. Now, wouldn't it be cool speculating again, if we were able to travel to the West coast in a future fallout 76 update and see this location for ourselves? What does this location look like at that time in history? Can we visit the Lost Hills? I don't know. It would be really cool. There are a lot of places I would love to go only about 20 to 30 years after the bombs dropped, but this would definitely be one of them. So some cool stuff. I would love to hear what you guys think. Please write me stuff on Twitter or send me emails or even better, jump in the Discord, Robots Radio Discord. Continues to grow over a thousand people on the Discord right now, and we have channels to talk about each of the podcasts. And there's a whole section about Fallout and getting together with groups and speculating about the lore and all those kinds of things. So jump in. I'm sure you're going to see lots of people there who will welcome you and uh, also be happy to speculate with you about the events of the games. So... Thanks, everybody. I will talk to you again next week. And until then, uh, keep your eyes open for some Lost Brotherhood soldiers out there in the wasteland because you never know when you're going to come across one. All right, guys. Talk to you later. See ya. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.